Today we're going to go into a bit of a supernatural moment. Granted, all of Scripture is supernatural. Um, is the thing called the ascension. Now, in the just layman's terms, the ascension is the moment where Jesus ascends up to the heaven. But there's more to it for us in 2022. Uh, as we sit back and see this amazing supernatural moment, we're going to break that, break what the ascension is and why it's important for you uh, in your lives today. But before we get there, I like to kind of compare the ascension to a climactic end to a chapter. So you, you have Jesus' ministry. Uh, he does this amazing uh, act of love by sacrifice, sacrificing his life and then arising from the dead. He, he hangs out with his disciples. People see him, and for 40 days, he's here on earth. And then it's time to go. Now, climactic ends are important. We love them in all of our media, uh, TV, movies, books. In fact, you know, one of the best moments in nerdom is the MCU moment in, in Endgame where Captain America is facing an army by himself with a broken shield. He, all of a sudden, he hears the magic words on your left, and he says, Avengers assemble, and every nerd in nerdom cries a little. But it, it's a great moment in time in, in MCU time because it's a climactic end to a chapter. You're like, what's next? I can't wait to see what's going to happen. We see that in sports all the time. How often if you're, you're, you're the home team going to the end of the ninth inning and you're down by a run, can your team you know, walk it off or are they going to go the extra innings or be sad with a loss? If you're at a football game, there's two minutes left, your team's down by six, and you have to get the, the, the win, game-winning score, or will your quarterback be what the Browns' quarterbacks normally are? Don't do it. Uh, or you're, you're in a basketball game and you just, you, you know, six seconds, three-pointer or game over, all those climactic ends to chapters. The ascension is the climactic end to the first chapter of Christianity. And it's the beginning of the newest, most exciting chapter for us. We're going to dive into what that means for us today. So we're going to first off uh, actually read a bit of what happens in the ascension. You know, you got to understand, Jesus goes into his ministry mode. He, he dies. He's, he's, you know, raised from the dead. He sees all these people. And now it's time to go home. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. After he said all this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and then suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus, who had been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So first, two amazing things. Huge climactic moment. Jesus is like, gone. He's like Superman. Ooh. I mean, that's super cool. Then angels show up. Here's the thing about angels throughout Scripture. We do look, especially Old Testament, even like when Mary and Joseph are told by the angels, the shepherds in the fields, by the flocks by night, the angels show up and they are petrified. In fact, the angels have to start almost every sentence with, do not be afraid. We're good. 
this was such an amazing moment. The disciples and the people present at the ascension didn't realize two angels came to talk to them. I mean, that's how powerful of a moment this was. And I love that. This is a part of the story. This is the, this is the part where, where the Christian movement's about to begin with a flying Savior and angels. How awesome. But this kind of brings me to a couple questions. The first one is, did the ascension actually happen? And I wrestle with this, and I personally don't wrestle because I, I, I don't tend to see supernatural things as mind-boggling. I think Jesus and God are supernatural. It's who they are. I, it doesn't bother me whatsoever that I can't explain things. Uh, I'm completely fine with this. My human brain can't comprehend the greatness of God and his power. I also know there are people in the room who just, they struggle with the supernatural side of God. Uh, and and I, I get that, 100% get that. You want to know, the, how, you know how the, the bread is made. You want to understand that. Um, and, and really, if you look at what the ascension is all about, the writers of Scripture, specifically you know, the writers of the Gospels and, and Acts, they wanted to make sure they got this right. Uh, they wanted to make sure that it was historically accurate as best they can. That's why the Ascension story, which if you were a, a, like a science fiction writer or a writer uh, uh, you know, who wanted to really grab your attention, the, the, the Ascension story wouldn't have been just a paragraph. The Ascension would have been all kinds of bells and whistles and like, yes, and then the angels came down on thunder and lightning. I mean, they would have been all trying to grab your attention, but yet it's just a paragraph because the writers of Scripture wanted to make sure it was a historically accurate accurate situation. And then the reality is that when Jesus came to earth, he, he came from heaven, but he also had to return. I mean, Paul tells us this in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 says, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Paul understood this was kind of like, you know, this is always going to be a round trip. And throughout even the Old Testament, when the, the prophecies were talking about the coming Messiah, they understood that the Messiah would come and have to go. The ascension also explains where Jesus went. For 40 days, hundreds of people saw Jesus. And then all of a sudden he's gone. Poof. And the ascension helps tell the stories like he didn't just disappear. He had to go somewhere. But if you're a disciple in the early Christian movement, you would not want the ascension to happen. Let me explain. Christianity is new. This is a whole new concept. Nothing like it has ever been done before. All right? Wouldn't you want Jesus to hang around for a couple years to make sure he got you kind of established? And yet Jesus knew he had to go. And the disciples are found that, you know, they have to, to explain all this. And to me, if you were a disciple trying to establish a new faith, you're, the last thing you want is the Savior to have to leave. But he had to. And this brings me to the second question. Why did Jesus have to go in the first place? Why did Jesus have to leave us? 
Man, wouldn't it have been so much nicer to like him just kind of hanging around for a while? I kind of wish he was, you know, a lot of us kind of wish he was, you know, around in this digital generation. So when you take video and TikToks of him, Jesus TikToks, awesome. But why do you have to go? I think there's a, a, a bunch of reasons why. But, you know, I think he kind of explains it to us. Matthew chapter 28. This is shortly after the resurrection. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what is commonly known in Christian circles as the Great Commission. Jesus is saying, listen, you've got a job to do. Spread this word to all nations. And I think that really tells us that the Ascension and the Great Commission are, you know, are, are combined and connected forever. Because Jesus had to go so that we can be a part of this journey. One of the goals that God had for sending his son was to realize that there is now a relationship between God and man. There wasn't some, you know, had to do all these special things and sacrifices and only a select few can be a part of the journey. No, the reason why Jesus came was that there's a relationship between every person ever. And so it goes hand in hand. And we think about the situation when Jesus has to go. We've got to understand Jesus' job was done. Jesus died. He resurrected. And once you, you die and come back from the grave, there's really not much more of a walk-off shot than that. I mean, Jesus is like, hey, I got my job done. But the great thing is, he doesn't just go to heaven, like get some R&R, get some well-needed rest. He is up there preparing something for us. In fact, John 14 tells us, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going, to, going there to prepare a place for you? And if I'm going and preparing a place for you, will I come back and take you to be with me so you know where I am? Where I am? Man, Jesus is preparing a place. The ascension gives us a hope for a future. On top of it, while Jesus is hanging out in heaven, he's actually having conversation with God for us. He's intersecting for us. He's saying, hey, yes, there's still sin in this world. I covered that sin. We're good. On top of all that, he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent us the Helper. So when Jesus was here in human God form, which I know is, once again, hard to comprehend. He was one person in flesh. When Jesus leaves for heaven, he sends us the Holy Spirit that can now be equally present in everyone's lives. And Jesus understood this. Jesus understood he had to go. He tells us this in John 16. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. And if I go, I will send him to you. Top of all that, we always knew that he had to turn, return home. Revelation 1 tells us, Behold, uh, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, and those who pierced him, all of the tribes on earth, will wail in the count of him. 
Even so, amen. If Jesus had to go home, there's going to be a moment where he's going to come back. What a great journey. Listen, what a, what a climactic end to the first chapter. But like I said, it's the, it's the first chapter. We are now involved with the second chapter. We are a part of the journey. And what I love about it is that in 2022, it really tells us a couple things about what the ascension means for us. Because I think it means very, three very important topics. Number one, the ascension uh, really tells us that, that our sin is constantly being taken care of in the eyes of God because of Jesus. Like I said, that Jesus goes home, he's at the right hand of the Father, and he's constantly saying, yes, I got that covered, he's good. Here, Paul, Paul tells us this in, in Romans chapter 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was risen to life is the right hand of God and is also intersecting for us. Who shall, sh- who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The ascension means that one, our mistakes are covered. I know there, there are a lot of us in this room that we like the idea of forgiveness. We love the idea that, that when we follow Jesus, our sins are, are, are wiped clean, and at the same time, we still struggle. We still sin. We still make mad, bad moral choices. And what's happened for a lot of us in our lives is because of those choices, we, we've, we've allowed that to kind of separate us more from God. And yet God, Jesus is hanging out with his Father, and every time we mess up, he's in front of God saying, no, I got that covered. No, I had that too. Oh, yeah, I got that one too. Uh, David Ivey, yes, we got a lot of that covered. Um, how amazing is that? That Jesus is intersecting for you in this moment, in this time. The God of the universe loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you and so that you can, can feel the freedom that comes from his blood. See, Jesus had to come to earth, die, rise again, and ascend to show us how unstoppable that love is. And because of that unstoppable love, there will be a day where all the headaches, all the pain, all the suffering, the worry, the frustration, this world will cease. Revelation 21 tells us this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. Because of the ascension, we have a hope of a future. That is why people who follow Jesus uh, can face some of the hardest circumstances on earth with peace. 
doesn't mean they're struggle. It doesn't mean that they hurt. It doesn't mean that they, they have sorrow. But I'm sure you know people who, who've gone through some of the darkest times in their lives, and yet in the, in the end of it can, can, can walk through it with a joy and peace that can only come because of the future ahead of us called heaven. That's why when you, you see, you're at someone's funeral who, who loved God and, and served him uh, their life, with their life, and man, there's no sadness there. There's just joy because of the promised heaven. You know, we always kind of think about what heaven's like. Uh, sometimes we like to imagine, we, and some of us imagine the clouds and, you know, the, the angels like we have in like our pop culture version. My son, Liam, uh, he's nine years old. Uh, he said, God, I really hope God makes sure there's football in heaven. And I'm like, sure, that would be great. I just hope pizza's on the menu. Um, but regardless of what heaven's like, we don't, we don't spend a ton of time diving into the intricacy of what heaven could and could not be. Because here's the truth. Even our most amazing fantasies about what heaven is like will pale in comparison to the reality. At the same time, we're not meant to just dwell on the end. We're not meant just to say, okay, uh, you know, it's a, you know, about 75, 80 years, think I'm good, let's go. That's not the goal of being on this earth. That's not the goal of the second chapter of the story. The ascension gives us a future but it also gives us a mission. The ascension means for us that we have a job to do. I, have, I feel like my sermons this summer have spent a lot of time on talking about this subject. And I think it's because God knows how important it is. We have a mission to accomplish. Polaris Christian Church needs you. We talk about being all about kids. Uh, that's what our goal and our mission here is at Polaris. Uh, from birth to teenagers, how important that is. And we desperately still need you. There's so many places and spots that are open for you to step into this great commission to do great things for a generation who desperately needs you. And Jesus understood how, how hard this journey is going to be. In fact, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he says, He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field, harvest field. We have a lot of reasons to be busy, and, and life is just going to get busier. We're, we're approaching, we call it the S word in SMT. We're not allowed to say school because uh, I get like weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, but the truth is it's coming. And when school comes, what happens? Busy schedules happen. Next thing you know, it's going to be Christmas. And you're like, what happened to my fall? But what if? What if you missed out on the opportunity to change someone's course of history? And I say this because if it wasn't for people who chose to step into my life at a young age, I'm not here. You know, if those who don't know me very well and know my, my past and my world, I, I grew up in a very toxic family with extreme abuse. And if it wasn't for the people that God strategically put in my life and said yes to serving, I'm lost. 
I had a grandmother who made sure that I was in church, and she understood the only path to, path to, to, to joy and peace was through Christ, and so she made sure church was a priority. I had a, a pastor and a youth pastor that, that spoke truth into my life, even when a, a very angry and very broken young man stood before them and said, no, there, there's, a, there's a purpose for you. I've had countless men and women in my life as an adult who continue to speak truth to who Jesus is to me. I have men who I've desperately needed to show me the meaning of being a father, of being a husband, of being a man and a man of God. But what if? What if they chose not to? What if they chose their life is too busy over investing in a young man. I'm not here today. What if Grace Grappi decided to stop going to church? What if the countless men and women at, at the little tiny church in Valley City, Ohio, decided, hey, I'm a little bit too busy to be in the children's ministry today? What if Pastor Jerry Fritz and Tim Fritz said, you know what? He's a little bit too angry for me. I don't, I, yeah, he's got a little bit too much going on. I, don't, I can't invest in that. What if Norm Maynard, Gene Smith, Alex Poindexter, Bill Beebe, Phil Beck, Marcus Fife, and countless men who have been in my life for so long to show me what it means to be a man and a man of God has decided, you know what? I don't need that. He's a little bit, he's a little too aggressive for me. I can say the same thing about the men and women who serve in our ministries today. Rochelle and Chris Yulatowski. Stacy Violi, Paul Violi, Bonnie and Joe Romano, Michelle Fetty, Renee Nemeth, Mike and Stephanie Perlotti, Amanda Kay, Rob Swanson, Matt Beck, uh, Mark Simonitis, and children's members, my wife Jacqueline Ivy, Kelly Poindexter, Kate Barnes, Kathy Beebe. The list can go on and on, but what if they said, you know what, I don't got time for that. This church, this community, the lives and the histories of these young men and women will be changed forever because they decided no. And that change would be for the worst. Is it time to add your name to a list of people to stand up? Because that's what the ascension's about. The ascension, you, God going to heaven and said, you know what, I'm going to go so that you can do great things for my kingdom. So you can help be the hands and feet for me and change the course of people's histories. I understand the busyness of life. But I also see the greatness in what we get to do here. If you're ready to take that step, pull me aside afterwards, put Kate aside, throw us a text, a direct message on Facebook. Because um, it's time for us to step into those lives. We, the way we treat children and the way we look and treat God. James, his brother, once said this. In the same way, but faith itself, by itself, if not accompanied by actions, is dead. Are you ready to follow and serve or be a what if? Band's going to come back up and play one more song. The ascension, the climactic end of the first chapter of, of the Jesus movement covered our sins, gives us a way to heaven, and allows us 
to be a part of this amazing journey, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as we worship and pray during this, this last song, I want you to ask yourself, are you ready to make the impact? Or are you going to allow what if to happen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for every man and woman who ever said yes to hanging out with me. Thank you that you allow us to step in and be a part of this journey. And the lives that you allow us to change the course of history in. Thank you for giving us that honor. Speak to our hearts today. We pray this in your name. Amen.